Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Okay, it's a Friday and it is uh, Halloween Eve. So on the crossover, talking about uh, do you trick or treat? 636, Danny Mac, I'm 42. I still trick or treat, laughing out loud. Uh, giving out candy is normal, okay. 636, I'm using a slingshot to distribute candy. I love it. What are you doing, Scotty? What do you what do you got planned? Um, I'm actually going to go over to my girlfriend's family's Halloween party. So it's going to be very fun. I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of her family are big fans of Scoops with Danny Mac oh, and, and 101 ESPN. Okay. So. I hope that party is socially distanced. It will be. Yeah, okay, there's good. a lot of kiddos there, so they'll be in All their right. costumes. Okay. Got to make sure we get that out there. Uh, let's get the uh, text line rolling, 65780-65780. By the way, one of the nightmares, fifth down game from the 314 against Colorado. Yeah, I think so. Also, the Nebraska game. Remember when Matt Davidson made that unbelievable play and it was a catch in the back of the end zone? I actually did some football games with Matt Davidson as my analyst, and I wanted to punch him every time, even though he was a really good guy. That one really... <laughs> upset me you just don't forget some of those no nightmares. i told him that too i go man every time you talk i want to punch you but he's a really good analyst and a really good guy <laughs> uh let's see dan halloween is my favorite uh, holiday we're gonna hand out dollar bills full-size candy bars awesome do me a favor text uh your address i'll be there that's that's big time there. Dollar bills and full size candy bars. That's getting it done. So Dan, I'm I'm starting the transition to becoming a real adult here. And I went to the store yesterday, and I thought I was just gonna go away with some fruit snacks. And you walk in, and they hit you with all the Halloween candy. Got to do it. Got myself a big bag of Kit Kats. Went to the self checkout, and when I scanned it, it goes six ninety nine. I go, oh my gosh, did I grab the right thing? Is yeah. this real? $7 for a bag of candy? I couldn't believe it. Relax. I couldn't believe it. I was fired up. Relax. It's okay. Uh, let's see. Come on, Danny Mac. It's opening youth deer season this weekend. Even my six-year-old daughter chose hunting over candy. Hey, congratulations and good luck this weekend. Be safe. Uh, bought a golf cart, uh, Danny Mac. 618 for my family this year. First time we will get to use it for trick-or-treat. Can't wait. Smart. I like it. All right, everybody be safe. Have a great holiday. Um, I think it's a holiday. I love Halloween. I love it. I wish the kids were always off school the day before, then Halloween, and then the day after. I don't care when it falls. That's how much I'm into Halloween. I love it. Did you carve any pumpkins this year? Oh, of course. Tons. Did my first one yesterday and my only one. It's awesome. How do your how do your forearms feel? A little sticky? Oh no! Come on, you get it. You know you got to get in there, man. I, I know. I, I let the girlfriend use the scooper. I use my hands. You yeah, know, just get, get in all there. That goo. What do you call it? The goo. That's perfect <laughs> word for it. Perfect word for it. All right, Tony Larusa. Uh, I find this awesome for baseball. I do. I really do. I, I know some people probably disagree with this. I think we look at it differently in St. Louis because Tony was here for 16 years, had great success, couple of world championships. Um, but yet outside St. Louis, it's not the same case. I mean, he's he's getting looked at. Is he too old for this? Can he relate to players? Uh, what about bad flips now? All those kinds of things. And Tony just talked about what it was like the last handful of seasons, nine years. Remember, he left St. Louis, then became front office executive with Arizona. Then he was with the Boston Red Sox this past season with the Angels. He said he was, you know, up in the booth watching these games. And you know what? The fire was still burning. I seriously thought 
being upstairs, it was, I've described to my friends as torture because you're seeing it and you can't do anything about it. So soon thereafter, I realized I was either going to have to stop complaining about being upstairs or go downstairs. And you know what? He's got a team that can win. You, you look at this team that he's got, Abreu, Tim Anderson, pretty good pitching. We saw that in interleague play with the Cardinals. Now, if this team was a rebuild situation, I don't think Tony's there, but it's not. It's a chance to win and win in 2021. I love pressure. Pressure brings out the best in somebody if they embrace it. If you hide from it, you know, if, you, if it's, you're the type that's going to say whatever happens, happens, you're never going to experience a championship. So that's part of why I'm thrilled that I got asked to manage this club. And, and I'm very excited to go forward because there is pressure. The expectations are realistic. So what are the biggest differences in the game 2011 to 2020? Just off the top of my head and tell me if I'm missing something out there. I, I would say, number one, it's analytics. I mean, analytics was there, but the shifting, what we see now, not even close to what we uh, are seeing in 2020 as opposed to 2011. Um, certainly the bat flips and the guys expressing themselves on the field. Yeah, that that's a big difference. There's other things that are going on here, too. He is 76, but as I mentioned before, he's kind of a chameleon. I, I think he adapts with what he's got, even though you may not see that in the general public, but behind the scenes, man, he's got a pulse of what's going on. Towards the end of my career, I was in my 60s, right? And our clubs in St. Louis had the same array of young guys, prime guys and veterans. There was no, I mean, I let them speak for it rather than me. I'll just tell you what they would say is the... Uh, environment the culture we had the relationships that were built it worked and i haven't changed uh, you know x number of years later uh, the club is going to have young going to have prime it's going to have older guys every year you start with the respect trust at zero and you have to work every day to earn it and uh been, i did it for years and uh, i'm going to try very hard to do it and uh, the players will decide but uh I know if I come at him with what I've learned and how I feel about putting that team in a good position to succeed, I think it'll happen. You know, in many ways, he was at the forefront of analytics. He and Dave Duncan, big, big book that Dave Duncan kept of all the charts of the players over the years, the immediate success of the last two weeks. Um, Chad Blair, who's a longtime employee of the Cardinals, is in the video room, does an incredible job. He was with Tony in Oakland. He was working cameras. He was a cameraman, and Tony and Chad forged a friendship, and he brought him to St. Louis, and they started doing all this stuff with video. So he is at the forefront of a lot of the things that we're seeing now. So when people say, well, can he handle analytics? Yes. Yes. That's not going to be a problem. All right, what about the bat flips? I don't know. He managed a guy named Ricky Henderson, who was his about as flamboyant as anybody back in the day when he was leading off and hitting bombs and becoming a Hall of Famer. Dave Henderson was another one. Um, you had Albert Pujols standing at the plate, flipping his bat a number of times. I saw it. It was going on. So let's act like it didn't happen here in St. Louis. It was going on. And, you know, can he handle, let's say, if a controversial star comes his way? I don't know. Jose Conseco is probably one of those guys. Yeah, he can do it. And the media, dealing with the media is such an important part of the job. Tony has been interviewed thousands of times. I thought the way that he handled difficult questions yesterday, he was perfect on it. He was sharp. He was concise. He made his point. He explained himself. 
He will do that in terms of baseball. He will forge a friendship with some of those in the media that are prominent in Chicago. He's already got a lot of guys that he knows, obviously, in Chicago from his days there. That's not going to be a problem. So the bat flips, all those kind of things, Tony can handle that stuff. Every year, there's more and more attention being paid to uh, who does good and who does bad in the game. You don't do anything right or wrong uh, in a clutch moment that you don't get celebrated for or criticized for. So I've seen how that has impacted players emotionally. And if I see that it's sincere and it's directed towards the game, that's displaying, displaying the kind of emotion that you want. As a coach, what you want to do is you want to get players passionately involved with the competition. Now, Marcelo Zuna going down the line and taking a selfie. I don't know if Tony would like that, but if it's part of the game, he'll deal with it. It's it's just part of the game now. And I think so many times it gets overlooked. If somebody's bat flipping or something, that means your team did something good. So why is your manager going to get angry? Why are people that concerned about the manager getting so angry if your team is doing something positive? But he is morphing into what will have to have to be the, the manager of 2021. You may not like it. You know, I don't like watching some of this stuff. I've said that many times. But I, hey, if if guys do it and it's accepted, who am I to say that, well, that's wrong? That's the way it's played now. So just adapt. Fine. Move on. He's got a message for everyone, too. The last few days, as it's gotten closer, and I could start to think, you know, maybe this is going to happen. My internal response has been excitement. I haven't had the first regret. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm anxious to get with the players. I want to show them what I re- represent as a, as a person, as a professional. I, wanna, I, I, I was concerned. I, I, I faced it, and I passed my test. Now, I'm going to give you one more thing, which I've told many young managers. You know, the way you survive is if you just look in the mirror and, and, and you say you did your best. If you, if you are tough on yourself, then you're immune to all the other criticism because you're going to get it. You're going to get hassled. You're going to look at, you know, at Kevin Cash, you know, made a decision, didn't work, bad decision. If it worked, good decision. That's been true for years. So I've been very uh, self-pleased. I'm fired up, but no regrets. So the biggest thing I think that he's going to have to deal with is he hasn't been in that dugout, and it's the physical, mental strain that, that we were talking about in the crossover that you go through. And... I never believed that Tony wanted to leave in the first place. I mean, I I think he was burnt out a little bit, so maybe needed a year or two to kind of recharge. I always felt that that it was still burning. And I remember asking about that. We were doing an evening with the Cardinals. It was with Tony LaRusso. I said, oh, you're going to get back in there? I said, I don't believe you, Tony. And he kind of gave a, I'm done. You know, this is it. I'm moving on, and I'm in the Hall of Fame. And ah, I didn't believe it. Well, now we got our answer. So generally speaking, what are some of the people around baseball that cover this game day in and day out? What do they think? One of the best and one of the guys that I think is very smart in how he takes a, a broad view of this. Uh, not an analytical view, not an old school view, but just kind of blends it all in very subtly and takes a very bright, honest open, educated view is Tim Kirchin. It's a risky move. There's no way around that. He is going to be 50 to 55 years older than some of his players. And it is a young man's game. And 
back when Tony first started managing and maybe when he stopped managing. When the manager told you something, you did it. It doesn't work that way anymore with our young players and most of our young people. They want to know, why do I have to do this? Tony will not take that very well. Having said that, he's a really smart guy. I still think he's got something left. He is a master psychologist. He is a great communicator with his players. He knows exactly which which button to push to get the best out of each guy. But there are going to be some trying times for him where he's going to look around and say, wow, the game's changed an awful lot these last nine, ten years. But that's where he's got to have a unique staff, and I think he will. Um, I think he will. I, I think it'll be a mixture of, of youth and probably some of the old school there's going to be the front office coming down with a ton of analytics and sabermetrics, and he's going to mix it all together. And as I was saying in the crossover, you know, you, you have your infield coach, you have your outfield coach, your hitting coach, your pitching coach, and you entrust those guys to have the relationship with the players. Now, Tony is kind of the CEO, and so he'll go to the coach. Hey, what is Joe Blow thinking? Ah, this is what's going on. You might want to have a conversation with him. Okay, I will. Tony will get instant credibility when he walks in that clubhouse. It is going to happen, but his staff is going to be vital to this. From a player's perspective, what's it like hearing the news and understanding what it was like to play for Tony LaRusso? Here's Matt Holliday. Intensity, his attention to detail. I, I think that he lives, eats, breathes, and you know, I mean, he just, he just. Baseball is his deal, and you know he would. We would see him at dinner on an off night. And he'd call us over and, and, and start wanting to ask what we think about lineups or, you know, what we think about maybe doing this or that. Like, it literally is, is something with him that he thinks about all the time. And um, he, he's, he's always in the clubhouse. He's always there. Uh, he's always thinking about lineups. I remember every person that ever says, hey, Tony, how's it going? I'll let you know at 1030. You know, I'll just, it, it all mattered on whether we won or lost. You know, I, I think he just he just had that sort of intensity and, and preparation. And, um, you know, they were doing books and spray charts and, and you know, shifting and all, you know, all, all those things. I remember Dave Duncan had these giant folders of, of spray charts and, and notes that he had taken over the years. And, and just kind of the preparation of that staff was something that uh, really stood out. And so I, I think that. You know, Tony's he's, he's so prepared and, and I know a lot of, you know, all the managers put in a ton of time and, and are prepared as well. But I, I just felt like you had an you had an edge at manager when Tony LaRusso was your manager. When the Cardinals acquired Matt Holiday, the team was in Philly and he would go to dinner. I, I was at dinner and with Tony and he would ask about lineups. He'd ask everybody at the table and he'd rip, you know, a napkin and he had a pen with him. We started going over lineups. That's how he would do it. It, it. Just the guy does eat, breathe, sleep, think baseball all the time. And so he mentioned Matt Holiday did, Dave Duncan there. And Dave, one of the great minds, I think he should be in baseball's Hall of Fame. I eventually think that'll happen. Maybe even in the uh, Cardinals Hall of Fame for what he did for many, many years and good staffs and winning baseball. But Dave Duncan, he and Tony, very close. What does he think about this? I appreciate experience. You know, I mean, I, I know how valuable it is, uh, not only in in running a baseball game, but, you know, you're a teacher, too. You're trying to teach guys uh, how to play the game, what, what the important things are in the game as far as uh, performance. And, uh, 
you know, uh, how, how to have uh, uh, the kind of competitive attitude that you need to be a championship player. And, and that comes, you learn those things uh, from experience. And, and uh, he's going to bring a lot of, uh, he's going to bring new stuff to that club that, you know, maybe it's not new to Tony, but it's going to, those players are going to learn stuff from Tony as time goes on. And uh, it's going to benefit everybody uh, on the club. Uh, personnel-wise and and the uh, organization itself. What a great idea that is. Instead of having someone say, well, Tony's going to have to learn, what about somebody learning from Tony and what he brings to the table and a different set of eyeballs and how the game is played and what maybe he is seeing? Very smart and a very bright intuitive look at what Tony may bring to the White Sox instead of the other way. Well, Tony's going to have to adjust. Tony, well, wait a minute. Maybe somebody needs to adjust to Tony. Look at the resume. It's pretty damn good. Now, one of my favorites is Hawk Harrelson. Tony has uh, won almost 3,000 games. And besides that, people are overlooking the fact that he has not left the game. He's been working with different clubs for the last nine years. When you get a manager like that, I mean, you get an opportunity. I talked to Tony last last week, and he said he was seriously considering it. And he said it's very seldom you give an opportunity. He's been in, he knows the talent, and he knows how to manage. He knows how to win. It's going to be fascinating. Tony LaRusse at the age of 76 back, and I can't wait for it. Count me in. It's good for baseball. It's theater. It'll be some drama. You know, Tony, it's fun. I love it. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for the game. So we'll have more on that coming up later in the show. David Kaplan, uh, the reaction in Chicago has not been the same as maybe the way I look at it. So we'll get his thoughts on what's happening in the Windy City. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Windy City of Chicago and the big news with Tony La Russa. Out of retirement at the age of 76, you heard it in the previous segment about Tony and some of the reasoning as to why he wanted to get back into baseball in terms of being a manager. Now, we know he's been in the game the last nine years, last time he managed the 2011 World Series Cardinals. And for a guy that's got his uh, hand on the the beat of the city and the pulse of the sports city. It's David Kaplan, ESPN 1000. As always, David, great to hear your voice. Hopefully everybody's safe and healthy. How you doing? Everybody, God bless, is safe and healthy here. I hope everyone is with you, and uh, it's always an honor to be on with you. The reaction of Tony the Russo out of retirement. What's it like in Chicago? I love it, but you know I'm a, a Tony the Russo fan. I've interviewed him a billion times. I really like Tony. Uh, and I think it's, you know, the White Sox are better today because he's managing. Yet, I would tell you that if you judge by social media or talk radio, the overwhelming majority of Sox fans hate this hire. Hate it. Why do they hate uh, it? Why, why? They think he won't be able to connect with the younger player. They feel like some of the guys like Tim Anderson, bat flip and all the swag and everything, and they're talking about, trying to change the game. They think Tony will stifle that. And they don't like the fact that he's 76. People are ageists. So I, again, love the hire. I think they are going to win a World Series with Tony La Russa. But I can tell you the fan base is not happy. Who did they want? If, if not Tony La Russa, who is so tight with Jerry Rice? They wanted Reins. A.J. Hinch. 
But even with his baggage, they want AJ over Tony Larusa. Yep, that's who they wanted because he's young and hip and you know the hot name. And the White Sox never even interviewed him. What has this uh, been like with their front office? What are you hearing in terms of? We've heard some reports that there was some strife in terms of some wanted Tony, some did not. This is an ownership decision. What what kind of light can you shed on that? Uh, what I've heard is that this was not Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams who run baseball ops. This was not their hire. They wanted A.J. Hinch. They wanted to talk to Alex Cora and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, and he has every right, man. It's his money in there. He said, I'm going to right or wrong. I should never have fired Tony La Russa in 1986, and I'm getting him back, and that's what he did. What did you think of the press conference yesterday, and what did uh, most people think of? It's, a, it's not a press conference. Well, it is, but it's a Zoom. What did what did most people think of how he handled that, and also some of the difficult questions that he had to address about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and what he felt four years ago about kneeling for the flag, the anthem, that kind of thing. Um, I thought Tony was good. I thought he was prepared. I think he was not blindsided by any of these questions. Rick Hahn's reaction the first five minutes struck me as, yeah, I want to introduce Tony LaRussa, and he wasn't my choice. It, that's just how it looked. Really? Yeah, he did not look like he was the – that it, this was – I'm the GM, and this is my hand-picked manager. It, everybody here believes that it was, okay, that's what you want to do. You're the owner. We'll go along with it. That's how it's being perceived in Chicago. In terms of the media, are there any people that are kind of left from the time that he was with the White Sox? And certainly there's got to be people that are left from when he was managing the Cardinals against the Cubs. So there's got to be some familiarity there. Yeah, No question about it. Um, There is a ton of the media that are still here and active from when he was with the Cardinals. There's not much left from when he was here in 1986 when he was fired. Uh, really, I can't even think of anyone who would be. In terms of, of how you think he'll handle the media, I don't think that's going to be a problem for him whatsoever. In a big media town like Chicago, what do you think? I think he'll be perfect at it. Perfect. Uh, Tony is a polished, smart man. He is a brilliant baseball guy. And I don't understand why White Sox fans are so down on the hire unless, you know, it's the whole social justice angle of it. But if it's just because he's 76, so what? We're getting ready to elect a president, and either one of them is going to be that age or older in a way more difficult job. So I I think the White Sox got a lot better today. The aspect of him being bilingual, fluent in Spanish, obviously speaks English. Was that brought up and how he could uh, talk to the players and communicate with the players? Yeah, it was finally brought up. If you go on social media, because most people didn't see the Zoom conference, most people are like, how could we not get someone who can speak to our Latin players? And I'm screaming on the radio today. Are you people that stupid? This guy's bilingual. Yes, he speaks better Spanish than Rick Renteria, the guy they just fired. So, yeah, I think, again, I can't say it more strongly than this. It's a good day if you're a White Sox fan. Rick Renteria was on the cusp of in, not inheriting, but having a very good Cubs team gets fired. They win the World Series. Rick Renteria with the White Sox. White Sox turn it around. They go into postseason play fired. What does Tony have to do differently that Rick Renteria wasn't doing? By all accounts from the outside, a good guy and a good baseball man. Yeah, he's a great guy and a great baseball man, but 
he's not a great strategist. Uh, he Tony has to show that he can manage the pitching staff. Rick, I thought, did a poor job, especially with his bullpen, on how he orchestrated things. And that, in the end, I think, was what ended up getting him. We know that Dave Duncan will not be a part of his coaching staff, who has been his right-hand man through all those years, whether it was in Oakland, with the White Sox, with the Cardinals. His coaching staff uh, was much mentioned about that and, and what kind of direction he may go. Uh, they did not say. We heard some rumors that Joe McEwing, you know, uh, that Joe McEwing would be his bench coach, but we have not heard any confirmation of that. So that's where I'm expecting to go. What they're going to do for a pitching coach, they fired Don Cooper, and I don't know where they're going to go with that. Would Joe be the guy that to follow Tony, in your opinion? That wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me at all. They like Joe McEwing a lot. So if you're at Tony's you know, side for the next, let's call it, three seasons, you win a World Series, why wouldn't you hand it off to Joe McEwing? I think it would be a perfect hire. I was just going to ask you, and this is my final question, how many years do you think Tony La Russa does this? Three. Really? You've got him going to 79? Yep, I do. David, this is a hard job. He's 76. Baseball, Danny Mac. He's a brilliant guy. It's baseball. He's going to be just fine. And they, you can put a lot of things on other people and get them to handle certain responsibilities to lighten your load. I'm excited to be a White Sox fan. All right, my man. You're the best. Keep it going in the Windy City. ESPN 1000's David Kaplan. Thanks, Cap. Have a great day, my man. You know I'm a huge fan. Always fun to visit with David Kaplan of ESPN 1000. I'm Danny Mack. This is the Friday edition of Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. The text line is open for you. 65780-65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. David brought to us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Rhino Shield mic drops as well. The Friday edition, 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Breaking news, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson store quarterback, has tested positive for COVID-19. He is currently in isolation, according to the school, and will miss Saturday's game against Boston College. There's no way on earth there's going to be nothing untoward done about this that would in any way, shape, form, or fashion uh, jeopardize Trevor's health or risk anyone else around him. That's not how Dabo operates. And frankly, I really don't think it's how any coach operates. They probably have a future Heisman Trophy contender in DJ Uy Ungalaway. Uh, and he is raw power. He's six foot four, 250 pounds. And this guy is a mix between Jamarcus Russell, Big Ben, Cam Newton. All the comparisons are relatively fair. The guy has an absolute howitzer attached to his arm. I mean, very gifted thrower of the football. He's just raw. And I think at this moment, he's more of an athlete than he is a great polished passer. So you can expect the offense to resemble what it's been, but I probably think it's going to be a little bit more about getting it and distributing it to the playmaker's hands at or behind the line of scrimmage. And then, of course, using and leaning heavily on Travis Etienne. That was the big news concerning college football Yesterday, Trevor Lawrence, who by all accounts would be the number one overall pick, COVID-19. You have Wisconsin and the Big Ten. They're shut down right now. They will not play Nebraska. Nebraska tried to take on an FBS team this weekend. Big Ten said, uh-uh, we're not doing that. 
You just furloughed a bunch of employees. Now you're going to pay uh, pay an FBS team to come in and get killed for $250,000. No, that's not going to work. No, that's not going to work. So that's some of the college football news. Mizzou, Florida this weekend. I'm so intrigued with Missouri this weekend. Now, Florida really hasn't practiced in two weeks. They've had some of the players on the field. You don't know who is going to dress out this weekend. That has not been made public, to my knowledge, at least some of the key members of that team. Mizzou, they have to be confident with a win over LSU and then what they did over Kentucky and then how they won those games. Goal line stand with their defense against LSU. Kentucky, they pounded. So they went with a totally different way of how they won the game. They ran the football. Eli Drinkwitz has kind of become here with Missouri, which was stagnant at times last couple of years. I don't want to say boring, but I guess I just did if they're stagnant. But you know, they, they changed it up and how they won. So I'm fascinated with a Florida team. You're not really sure what's going to happen. Mizzou, a lot of confidence. They've shown in two different games they can win in two different ways. Looking forward to that game. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and I can tell you, Dan, that I've watched Florida play this year. This team's good. Like, this team is really good. If Mizzou were to somehow pull off the upset against Florida this weekend, that would be an unbelievably big marquee win for the program. Meanwhile, in pro football last night. Matt Ryan goes down to a knee again, and that will do it. Atlanta avoids a fourth quarter collapse. They had three of them this season, including last week, but they hang on here for the 25-17 victory to improve to 2-6, and and Carolina drops to 3-5. and So I'm watching that game last night going, they're not going to blow this thing again. Then I had nightmares, as we were talking about nightmares earlier, of the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl. They can't close games out. They did last night. It's happened a couple times this year too, Dan, unfortunately. Wow. Steelers 6-0, Ravens 5-1. That's the game I'm watching this weekend. Uh, Okay, if you're a guy that enjoys boxing, I'm sure you're... Are you a UFC guy? Uh, yeah, Yeah, I'm into UFC for sure. Okay, so prior to UFC... There was this guy named Mike Tyson. He was kind of like must-see TV. Heard good things. Yeah, he, he was pretty nasty. Well, he's coming out of retirement. Uh, so is, it, is this a one-off for you, Mike? Or are you planning on several fights? Is this like the, the research hey, of the chapter? Um, this yeah. is an organization. This is for the Legends League only. So this is... Um, I'm going to go as long as the league is working. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to help a lot of people. And my legend is going to be that I gave a lot more than I took. Roy, um, what, what about you? Is this a one and done, or do you plan on continuing to go after this fight? I mean, for me, uh, I used to judge about how I feel that night. I really wasn't planning on going anymore. I thought I was done. But when you get a call from Mike Tyson's team say, hey, Mike want to fight you, <laughs> that's bucket list material. You feel me? I mean, you can't turn. That's I something that every, you know, every, everywhere I go in life, the first thing a young kid would ask me, hey, have you ever fought Mike Tyson? And I don't know why they used to always ask me that. But they always, they say, their kids, first question is, have you ever fought Mike Tyson? I love it. Now I don't have to say no no more. I'm so glad to get this opportunity because now I can say, yes, I did. I'm in. November 28th, Staples Center, the newly created WC Frontline Battle Belt. Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. I don't care if they're 65 and they roll them in on wheelchairs. I'm watching. I am. I'm going to watch. I would, I'd watch that probably more so than a UFC fight. 
And I know that most people are saying no way, but I, I would. So I I, gotta, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Tyson fanatic. I love watching Mike Tyson. I got to tell you, Dan, when I, when I moved to Texas, my roommate, boxing enthusiast, I learned all about it. I watched all the big fights. I really enjoyed it. The one thing that is weird about boxing, though, you know how you're like, you think, oh, yeah, they're going to beat the crap out of each other. It, it's kind of boring sometimes. If it's not somebody well, that's big, it, it's kind of boring. It's it's so like tactical. They can the rope a dope a little bit. I yeah. get it. I mean, but that's if we're, okay. If we're gonna see some haymakers, yeah. I'm in. Well, wait until you see a Tyson haymaker. Then you might be converted. You never know. I never watched him fight before this. So two of the great fighters, Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. That'll be interesting to watch. Uh, three, one, four. Danny Mac. Tony wins one World Series in four years. Well, in four years he'll be eighty. I don't see him lasting four years. I'm saying two max. I'm saying next year and the year after, and maybe just one year. If he wins next year, then he says, that's enough. Um, I wonder in St. Louis after 2011, when you had these great pitchers coming up, Carlos Martinez, Trevor Rosenthal, and a host of other young players coming up, if he would have said, I'm not going to do it again. I I think he comes back. I do. I I think he would have come back in St. Louis. But say la vie uh let's see danny mac uh the most i disagree with is how he gets so crabby with the media i've said this to many people and many people that are in my industry and they say well how did you handle tony la Russa? i said tony la Russa was the best the absolute best to deal with now the general public saw him doing his press conferences and he could be short he could be curt uh jim hayes could be wiping um shaving cream off his face which he did a few times those two had some great exchanges tony was the best once you got to know him and tony was so good at helping you understand why he did what he did so if you said to him tony uh in the eighth inning there was that lefty lefty matchup and you stuck with the righty why did you do it and it backfired he'd say i'm glad that you asked that because here's what i was thinking now you may not agree with it but he would give you an explanation that would make sense at that time a lot of times in my position, I used to do the Tony La Russa show on Fox Sports Midwest. We had a, a manager show before the game, and he would say to me, a controversial play or something was going on the night before, he'd say, ask me about it. Make sure you ask me about it. I need to explain it to the fan base. And he was very good at giving me inside information as to, hey, by the way, if you don't see this matchup, this is kind of what's going on on our bullpen. You know, this guy's a little ouchy as well. You know, he may do that. We, we may go this way, but just so you have an understanding as to why we're doing some of the things we're doing. If you had a relationship with Tony, he was awesome with the media. The best. And people don't see that. And that's so helpful for a broadcaster. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, to me, um, that's why, I, you know, when people look at the media as such an important part of that job as a manager, and it is, He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I don't think there's going to be any problem with it. The problem at 76 is the grind and how he wears it internally. And it's a hard job, especially when you put as much as he does into it, going through the analytics and the saber metrics and managing individuals and your players and then managing the game. Um, he wears it, man. I mean, that that's all there is to it. But he is a fascinating figure in sports. He's one of the great managers ever in the history of the game, and I do think he'll win. If he wins next year, does he stay? Is it maybe just two years? Time will tell, but I do think it's good for the sport. We cross it over. Ribs and BK coming up next. 
More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Hey, we got the crossover and Jamie Rivers is in. Ribs BK, Alex, they're coming up. Um, I was really saddened by the news of Joey Moss, um, longtime member of the Edmonton Oilers organization and the Eskimos as well. Um, he passed away, I think he was 57? Yeah, 57. Yeah, 57. Uh, when I was covering the Blues, I remember going into the locker room and a smile on his face, how you doing, talking to every player, just uh, light up a room. And he and Gretzky obviously forged that wonderful relationship and then became kind of a national hero in many ways. Um, passed away at the age of 57. I got goosebumps thinking about it right now. Just a, a wonderful man. It was so amazing to have Joey Moss as a part of the NHL. And it all happened, the quick backstory, Wayne Gretzky was dating his sister. sister right. And then Joey you know, got to know Wayne, and Wayne brought him in, and he started to do some things around the locker room for and the Joey Oilers. And has uh, Down syndrome. Yes, Down mm-hmm. syndrome. And he enjoyed it, and the guys really enjoyed having him. And he worked extremely yes. hard. And I'm telling you what, one of the most, if not the most, known person in the yes. NHL. Every guy knew him. Every time he came in on the road, he knew everybody's name, where you're supposed to sit, what you'd like. It was incredible. Yeah. This guy was awesome. And he, you know, one of the things he was famous for is singing the national anthem. Yep. He used to stand between the two benches and, and so proud, just bellow it, it out. out. Yep. It was awesome. Those are times, those are moments I miss. And then, yeah, it did. It brought a tear to my eye the other night when I saw that posted uh, on Twitter that he had passed away. I was like, oh my gosh. And I, Told the story to my wife, to my kids. I'm like, who this guy is. Showed video of him. and mm-hmm. Just amazing, amazing, amazing individual. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up on the show, Ribs and BK. Yeah, we got a big one. We're finishing off the week pretty good here, good. Danny. We got uh, Bill DeWitt third coming right. on. Um, we've got Ben Heisler, fantasy football guy. And we got Benji Molina coming on board. So we're going to tackle a lot of Cardinals material today. We're also going to talk about Tony La Russa, because BK and I are we're just fascinated at his return at this point in his life. He, Something we're talking about. Ribs, the guy loves competition. He loves it. He wants to win and he oh, loves yeah. the game of baseball. It's that I mean, I know that's really simplifying it, but that's really it in a nutshell. Still fascinating though. After it all these years burns, and at man. his age to come back and not so much But just for him to want to take on this challenge, I know it seems like such a Tony thing to do, but it's still, to me, it's it's fascinating. And I try to, you know, compare it to other coaches. Like if Scotty Bowman decided to come back today, how would it translate? But I think he's different because he's been in front offices the last nine years. So is Scotty. Scotty's worked with the Blackhawks for the last 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's just intriguing to me. It would be different. I was thinking about this, and I know we got to go, but it'd be different if a manager got fired midway through and you said, hey, Tony, will you, you carry us out the rest of the way, right? I mean, that's everybody go, okay, that makes sense. He's yeah. going to be here for He's two months. He's part of the organization. Right. He, he knows yeah. our guys, yep. and you know he wants to do, okay, great. But to start fresh, new city, new organization. Young team. Young team. Um, yeah, it is. It's fascinating. I love it. I think it's great theater. Looking forward to the show. Happy Halloween, everybody, and we'll talk to you Monday on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.